0: Welcome back to our study of Proverbs. Um, in the last session, the t- last two sessions, we were studying Proverbs chapter three. And I can tell you, young people, I'm, it's a Saturday. I've already done two. This is my third one. And uh, I am really <laughs> struggling to uh, to stay awake. Last night, I have, I have a four-year-old daughter named Bronwyn and a uh, beautiful little thing, but... She climbed up in bed with us last night and it was literally like sleeping with a wrecking ball I think I I didn't think anybody that that small could kick that hard but she kept me up most of the night um, so uh, we'll try <laughs> we'll try to make it through this third lesson without a uh, without yawning too much um, every time I put brother Paul puts his head down you can pretty much count on the fact he's trying to hide a yawn so uh Let's uh, we're in Proverbs chapter three and uh, I want to read it real quick and then we're going to go as I promised to uh, to Jeremiah um, because I want to look at the difference between trusting in the Lord and not trusting in the Lord. It's a very important passage. Uh, Proverbs chapter three. And let's go ahead and read, uh, starting with verse one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Such a privilege, Lord, to teach these young people who are listening. Oh, dear God. That their lives would be like a green tree in Christ. They would bring forth fruit in its season. That they would bear much fruit and glorify you. Oh, God, even in the midst of these days, where there is so much conflict, I pray, dear God, that you would do a great work, even though it is hidden. In the hearts of those who are listening, in Jesus name. Amen. Now, as I said here in chapter three, um, do you notice that we're just just constantly back and forth? We're seeing that we're given options. We're either going to go one way or the other. Um, We're either going to trust in the Lord with our own heart or we're going to lean on our own understanding. We're either going to be wise in our own eyes, or we're going to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We're going to acknowledge him in all our ways, or we're going to ignore him. You see, um, and you see this, especially in the teachings of Jesus, that there's just no middle ground. There's just no middle ground It's either one way or the other. Now, I'm a lot older than you. And I find myself fighting in that middle ground sometimes, and I don't want to heap some burden on you that uh, I myself am not able to bear. The goal is an undivided heart of never limping between two opinions of being on fire, as you young people say, for the Lord, that's the goal. But but remember, in this story, there's only one hero. And it is Jesus Christ. It is not you. It is not me. And so when you find yourself apathetic or in no man's land between two opinions, paralyzed, or when you see that your heart is not as on fire as it ought to be. Do not be condemned. Do not lose hope. Do not think that you're unusual. This happens to all of us. But fight. Fight. But while you're fighting, also rest in this. Your salvation is not based on your performance. Your salvation is based upon the performance of your elder brother, Jesus Christ. So we can tackle these big things and we can strive to be better without fear because our salvation is secure in Christ. All right, let's go to Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. And I I brought brought some coffee with me today to try to stay awake. Um, Verse five, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and he will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, excuse me, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Verse nine. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Now, let's look at verse five. Thus says the Lord. Now, all the Bible is inspired. But when you see something like this, thus says the Lord. It's kind of like in the Old, in the New Testament, when Jesus says, truly, truly, or in King James, verily, verily, I say unto you, um, it means really this is important and you need to pay attention. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. Now, there is a degree in which we do and should trust in others. I have many co-laborers who work with me here at Cry, and I trust in them. I trust in my wife, but I trust in them as humans. Fallible. Limited. And it is a subordinate trust. It is a trust that goes underneath a greater trust and that greater trust is in God. And when there is some conflict between my opinion and God's or even my friends opinions and God. We must choose God over fallible flesh when it contradicts God himself, contradicts his word. So thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. Sometimes it's trusting in the arm of the flesh, you're trusting in your own strength, your own capacity, your own ability to handle the situation, your own intellect. And again, I said this before, there is a sense in which we're called upon to think, to reason, to discern. But whenever we come to a point where whatever we have discerned or whatever we think is contrary to the word of God. Now we've got to make a choice. Am I going to trust in me? That is in the strength of my flesh. Or am I going to trust in God? And how do I prove my trust in God? By trusting in his word. Now, I want you to look and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Do you see there again? There's no middle ground. If there is a a contradiction between what you think you ought to do and what God says you ought to do, there's no middle ground. You have to choose. And sometimes, I mean, as we're going to learn, our heart can be very deceitful and sometimes we'll try to figure out a way to do both. But you can't. Whenever anything is brought into contradiction or is against the revealed will of God, you must Choose the revealed will of God Now, that's not only with your own opinions or your opinions of your friends, but that also has to do with the world itself. Young person, listen to me, I don't want to I don't want to play games with you, I don't want to deceive you in any way. We live in a fallen world and its opinions are almost completely and entirely contrary to the word of God. I remember when I became a Christian at the University of Texas, a friend of mine who was uh, an older Christian than me, and I had only been a Christian for a few months and and this young man had been a Christian for most of his life. And um, we both had a psychology class together and the pro- well, he had it an hour before me and same professor and that professor was known on campus he and was, he was atheistic. he. Uh, was antagonistic. He would make fun of God. He would blaspheme. He would. I mean, just everything that came out of his mouth was was somehow against scripture. And one day when my friend was coming out of class and I was going in, I saw him and he smiled and I said, how was class today? And he says, oh, I love this class. I love this class. And I said, what do you mean you love this class? He says in this class, I am learning how to live in this class, the will of God is being revealed. And I said, Brother, what are what are you talking about? And he said, Yes, I listen to everything this professor says. And if I do the opposite, I'm in the will of God. And what he meant was literally everything that was being taught was contrary to God's word. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've seen that you can almost just pretty much know that when the world's speaking, it's going to be opposite of what the will of God truly is. Now, it says in verse six, for he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitants. Now, there are a lot of, I guess, TV evangelists and TV preachers, we call them, I guess, prosperity preachers who will try to always turn verses like this into something that has to do with money or big houses or cars or health or wealth or or something. Please don't degrade the passage in that way. Now, God does take care of us young people. I'm a testimony to that. God does take care of our needs. But but the great promises of God have are so much bigger than temporal needs. The one who trusts in the Lord will have life. Life eternal and life abundant, will have things that that money and houses and cars and and even health can't give. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, here at HeartCry, one of the things that we've sought to do is is, is not to raise money or, or make our needs known or anything like that. Uh, when I started Heart Cry many, many years ago, it was to try to at least in some small way imitate what I saw in scripture, what I saw in the life of one of my biggest heroes, George Mueller. And, and that is to trust in the Lord and, and to take all our needs to him. And as a mission, you know, Heart Cry, we would always say if. If God can't meet our needs, then we don't need to exist. So we don't need to be out there prodding people or trying to raise money and do other things. We just need to trust the Lord. And if he wants us to exist, we'll keep existing. And, and I can tell you that in times when the economy's gone down and everything else in many of those times, heart cries actually prospered. God really does take note, as we're going to see down here in verse 10, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind. Now, if you will learn to trust in him. To trust in him. Do not run around begging men, but trust in him. If you're in his will, he will provide a way. But this goes beyond even that. A person who learns to know God. A person who studies his commands, who seeks to conform his life, who trusts in this style of life that God sets before us. Their life will be described as prosperous, full, abundant. Even though materially they may not have much, even though health wise, they may have many, many difficulties. Their life, who they really are. uh, well, it'll be full. And he says. But the person who trusts in the flesh, trusts in his own understanding, it says he'd be like he'd be living like in a land of salt. Now, don't do this. Don't, don't test me on this because I'll start getting letters from your parents. You just take a, a thing of salt, go out in the yard and shake it on the yard. You won't have to mow it because it'll kill all the grass. You Put it on the plants. It'll kill the plants, it it kills life. Now, there's some positive properties about salt and we see them in scripture. But the point here is. Those who do not trust in the Lord, their life is barren. Barren and they may even possess a lot of things, but as far as life goes, the things that really make life life, it's barren. Now, in verse seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. You remember what I said? It wasn't just trusting in what the Lord said. It's trusting the Lord himself. Trusting in his person, trusting in his character, his virtue, his attributes. Now, how can you grow in that trust? Now, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but you can't trust me if you don't know me. You can't trust in the Lord if you don't know him. You say, well, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus wonderful, but are you growing in your knowledge of who God is, of his attributes, of his holiness, of his righteousness, of his omnipotence, his sovereignty, his providence, his decrees. Of his goodness, his kindness, his mercy. Of his wrath. You see. If you're really going to trust in the Lord's word, you have to trust in the Lord. And you can only trust in the Lord to the degree that you know him as he reveals himself in scripture. Now, how is the person described who trusts in the Lord? Well, first of all, let's go back to how the person is described who doesn't trust in the Lord. He will live in stony places in the wilderness, you know, where there's just rocks, no grass, just rocks and sand, a land of salt. where there's just no life, there's no water. You know, in Peru, Peru is one of the most amazing countries because everything is there. You have the coast um, that is like desert. You have the mountains on the on the west side that are like arid uh, desert mountains. You go down on the other side and it's all green into the jungle. It's it's an amazing place. But it's amazing when you when you fly over the desert, just as far as you can see, even from an airplane, there's there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing but rock and sand. But here, the man who is blessed, man who trusts in the Lord, it says he's like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. This is not just a tree planted in good soil. Or even a tree that gets rained on quite a bit, this is a tree in good soil. It gets rained on quite a bit, but also its roots are going down into a stream. Into a stream. And because of that, it will not fear when the heat comes, why? Because its roots are going down into something that even the heat can't affect, even if rain doesn't come outwardly, inwardly. Its roots are deep down in the moisture, deep down in life giving water. And that's the same way for the one who trusts in the Lord. He may go through a desert. He may go through a terrible time. He may. He may suffer persecution. This person may suffer poverty. This person may suffer imprisonment. I know people who suffer these things. And yet inside there is a well springing up to everlasting life and abundant life. It's this And he will not fear when heat comes, but it its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. A man who trusts in in the economy and and in government and everything, he can only have some sort of happiness when the economy is good, some sort of security when the economy is good or when the government is good and fair and just. But you take away the economy, you take away the government. He has no joy, he has no security because his security was in those things and they're mutable. They're always changing. But the man who trusts in the Lord, who is immutable, who does not change, the man who never put his trust in wealth, never put his trust in government or anything else, but has put his trust in a sovereign God. When everything around him seems to be falling apart, he doesn't change. Why? His trust has never been in circumstances. His trust has been in the Lord of the circumstances. And it says he will not cease to yield fruit. I I, I know of people at this moment who are in prison for their faith. I know people who have gotten out of prison after serving time for their faith. And no, not all the stories were stories of wonderful communion with God in a cell. Some of them were stories of despair and and sometimes feelings of abandonment. But one thing that everyone said was it bore fruit. That even in the midst of their trials, they still bore fruit, that God worked a work in them internal fruit, but God also used them, even in the prison, to bear external fruit. You see, young person, listen to me. Uh, You know, right now we're in it's it's July 2020. And man, it just seems like the whole world has gone crazy and that everything is being turned upside down. And there's violence and there's anger and there's confusion and there's error and lying and everything else. But we can be solid, we can be strong, even in these times. If we know who our God is. If we're trusting in him. Now, I want you to. To look at something in verse nine, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, I believe this is primarily talking about an unregenerate heart, the heart of someone who has not been changed by the grace of God. It is always God says, go this way, the heart goes that way. And the heart is so deceptive, it can think it's doing something right. It can think it's even serving God. And yet so far away from God, the heart is deceptive and you should not trust in it. You should trust in the will of God. Now, how does this apply to a believer? A believer's heart has been changed. If you're a believer, your heart that once loved and was given over to sin. And hated righteousness now is a heart that loves righteousness, wants to do righteousness and hate sin. Yet at the same time, don't ever think that the moment you're converted, you've just become perfect and that there's nothing left of the old man in you. There's still there's still a battle going on. That old heart is not who you are now. But there's part of that old flesh that remains within you and there, there's going to be a battle. And even as a Christian, the most mature Christian, you can be deceived by yourself. And that is why you must need you, you need to continue studying the word of God, relying upon the word of God, cultivating faith. Now, in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the result of his deeds. Now here he is talking about judgment. And he's he's telling, you know, an unfaithful people, look, don't be deceived. You can be deceived, but I can't be deceived. I know. I know, I know everything about your heart and mind. I know every thought, even the most intimate, even the most secret, I know. Now, but we can look at this also in a in a, in a positive note in, in, in as an unbeliever, This text ought to terrify you. If if you're not a believer in Christ, it should terrify you that God knows everything about you, even the most intimate thought. And one day you will stand before him and be judged for that. That ought to terrify you. But if you're a believer, you know that Christ paid for every sin, external, internal, big, small, every sin. Now, it ought to. Add to our reverence for God, knowing that we can't hide from him, yet at the same time, it ought to bring us great encouragement. This text brings me great encouragement. Sometimes when when there's a lot of trials, a lot of things going really, really difficult, um, I can't sleep. And one of the things I like to do in the dark just get out of bed, get on my knees. Uh, when I lived out in the cabin, I would look out this old window. And just to be on your knees and, and to look up in the dark. And just say this, you know. You know. You know everything I'm going through. You know, every fear in my heart. You know, every anxiety. You know. And so I can go back to bed. And when you're walking in the will of God, not perfectly, but sincerely. When you're seeking to trust in the Lord, not perfectly, but sincerely, it is a wonderful comfort to know that he knows. That he looks into your heart, he looks into your mind. And he sees, although you may be bumbling, falling fearful. That you have, like we said, made your decision. I am going to seek to know him, to acknowledge him in all my ways and to trust him, and there is a great confidence in that young person, a great confidence. That you belong to him. And he has committed himself to you. He knows everything. And he can take care of everything. He is the all sovereign God. And um, that's the God to whom I entrust you. I hope you grow to know in a tremendous way. a God who has been with me since my youth. A God that I have failed. So many times, a God who has never failed me, never, but has done exceedingly above and beyond anything I could ever think or ask. Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And like verse eight says, you will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its root by a stream. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Psalms chapter one. The man who delights in the law of God. So you see the relationship. How do you become like a tree planted by rivers of water that bears its fruit by trusting in the Lord? And how do you learn to trust in the Lord by studying, by reading, by meditating? by believing in His Word, His Scripture. Well, God bless you, and in the next session we'll be back in Proverbs chapter 5. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrimemissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.